the Lord will speak to your heart through His Word this morning. Good to have visitors with us this morning. You're welcome here. I see that little baby back there. If you ain't careful, right where you're sitting, you'll have five or six new grandmothers there. <laughs> Amen. They'll take that child right over. Amen. Over here on this side, we got the Mr. Duke and Mr. Duke. And watch out, they carry them pistols like the Dukes too. Now, they don't do that. Uh, he said, I said, what's your name? He said, Duke. I said, John Wayne? <laughs> he said, no. he said, just like that. Just as tough too. Uh, but anyway, you're welcome here. Thank you for coming. All right, let's look in First John chapter number 2. And I want to preach to you for just a little bit this morning. And I thought I had a long sermon, full, whole page full of stuff, but... Uh, after I got to looking at it, that don't look like that much. So let's find out what God has for us this morning and uh, take it to heart. Amen. It'll, it'll do you good. The Word of God will do you good. Amen. Uh, let's look in verse number one. It says, My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only but also for the sins of the whole world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for your goodness. I pray, God, that you would just help us this morning, Lord. You uh, told us in Ephesians chapter 1 that you had, uh, uh, Lord, uh, washed us in your blood uh, by the riches of your grace. And I pray, God, you'd make the, the riches of your grace known this morning, your great mercy towards us. And Lord, I pray, O oh God, as we, uh, Lord, continue to talk about a right Christian attitude, I pray, O oh God, that you would make the words uh, come rightly, God, and I pray that you'd let each heart hear it rightly and correctly. And Lord, help me as I preach, help these as they hear. And Lord, I thank you and praise you for all that you do here in People's Baptist Church. And I pray, O oh God, that whatever you do, God, you would do it so as to make uh, the Lord Jesus Christ's name known here in our community and the surrounding communities. And we thank you so much, dear God, for the folks that have gathered here from the different places. Lord, we pray that you would help them. We pray that you would strengthen them. And then not only that, Lord, but as the message says this morning, go out into all the world, dear God, and, and, and uh, share abroad dear God the great things that you've done for us we thank you in Jesus name amen amen all right look in verse number one there again and I want to preach to you for just a few minutes about instructions for God's children instructions for God's children now there's many ways and the Bible gives us many different ways uh, to look at the relationship between Christ and his people uh, first of all we're bought with the price we're his servants we are the servants of God and but that's not it the Bible also says that Jesus said he said I'm not ashamed to call you friends I'm not ashamed to call you my brethren. I'm not ashamed to call you my friends. Uh, but then also he says here in this passage, and of course John is doing the speaking, but uh, the Holy Spirit is doing the inspiring. And of course we do know God as our Father if we've been saved. And so he says, my little children, these things write unto you. And I like to think that beyond what John was saying, that's the Holy Spirit saying right there. My little children. And that's the way I see the scripture and that's the way it was intended. So he says, my little children. It's good to have a, a good father, isn't it? Yeah. Good to have a great father, ain't it? And uh, we know that God is our father. The Bible says if your father and mother forsake you, 
God will take you up. Amen. The Lord will take you up. And so what a wonderful thing it is that God has come along as our Father and rescued us. Amen. Gathered us. Redeemed us. Helped us the way He has. Amen. He says, My little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. That's where the attitude changes right there. Amen. That's where the temperature of the service changes. But you know, I was talking to Brother Nathan the other day, and maybe it was a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I just realized it sitting right there just a second ago. Uh, today's February the 1st. I've been here six years today. <laughs> six years today. And you know, I, I was telling Brother Nathan there, I said, I've been here almost six years, a couple weeks ago. So I said, almost six years. And I said, I've, I've brought heavy sticks and little sticks and uh, big sticks and medium-sized sticks. And I've told the way it is. Amen. I've told them how it is. I said, but you know, uh, they the people know what sin is. They know the rules. The people know what's right and what's wrong. Amen. And so uh, what I told him, I said, I'm going to start trying to get to where people are not just following rules, but that they are doing something with what they know already. Amen. And so that's really, uh, that was the theme of the Sunday school lesson this morning. And just using some different scriptures this morning, talking about some different things. I've really like you to see that this morning you know what's right don't you and so and I think John knew the same thing about the people he was talking to these people were already saved he's talking to people that's already knows who the Lord is but he says my little children these things write unto you that you sin not and so he knew that they knew what sin was he knew that they knew what sin was and so in this particular sermon he's trying to get them to have the right attitude I think and it is the right attitude, amen? Uh, it, listen, you never have the action without the attitude. I mean, you can either go out and seek to do wrong or seek to do right. And guess what? I can't make you do either one of them. You know, some people say, well, I can't believe y'all go down to that church. He makes y'all do right. And then on the other, on the other side of that coin, uh, the police officer puts a man in handcuffs and takes him down to the jailhouse and he'll get in there and say, well, it's my mama's fault. She didn't do it right. Your mama didn't make you do it wrong. I said, well, it, it was my friend's fault because he done this and he done that and that just caused me to get in trouble. No, that ain't it either, amen? If you're going to do right, you're going to have to have the attitude to do right. If you get in trouble, you're going to have to have the attitude to get in trouble. Now, I will admit that there probably is one in a thousand that gets in trouble just because he was in the wrong place at the right time, whichever way you want to look at that, right time or wrong time. There are some people that's going to fall into trouble from time to time. But I don't believe that's the norm. I believe, I believe, that, I believe really is if you're looking to get in trouble, you can. If you're looking to get right, you can. Amen. 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 And so really, uh, it's not the preacher that's going to make you do right. It's not, the, it's not the, the, the hoodlum that lives down the street that's going to make you do wrong. It's got, it's got to be, when he says, my little children, I write to you uh, that you sin not. It's really that you're going to have to make up your mind. I'm not going to live this worldly life anymore. Amen. I'm going to live a godly life and a true life. Now, in the sense of living a worldly life, you've got to get a job and pay your bills and you've got to take care of your little ones and you've got some responsibilities in this worldly life. But as far as all the other things that go along with it, the sinful things, uh, John says, my little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. It wouldn't be no problem. And this is one of the things I was talking about with Brother Nathan. It ain't no problem to tell people what's wrong. 
Amen. And no problem at all to do that. We could sit here and list a whole bunch of sins this morning. Amen. But like I said, I've been listing them for the last six years. Amen. But what I want to get across to you this morning is not, not the actual rules, not the actual regulations. What I want to get across to you this morning is you're going to have to make up your mind when it's time to do right and do wrong. And I think what goes into that is really you've got to come to the place where you decide, hey, this life I've lived ain't done me right so far. Hey, the, the world and the thing that it offers hadn't, hadn't, hadn't come through on its promises. And we was talking this morning about the great and precious promises that come through Christ Jesus. He ain't never let you down on one of His. Amen. Amen. And so He says here, My little children, these things write out unto you that you sin not. Now, like I said before, and really I touched on this some Wednesday night. You know, the Lord isn't just a gray-bearded old man sitting up in heaven... Uh, with a lightning bolt ready to hit everybody that does wrong, wouldn't none of us survive if he was. That's right, but that's the picture that God, that people have of God. They have a picture that God is this gray-bearded old man sitting up in heaven with a magnifying glass waiting for everybody to do wrong. God knows you do wrong. When Jesus came, it said he didn't commit himself to man because he knew what was in man. The Lord doesn't have to search to figure out if we've done wrong or right. Amen. He just doesn't have to do it. Uh, the Lord knows what we're made of. The Lord knows what we've done. The, matter of fact, the Lord knows what we intend to do. Amen. So that, that's really not what the Lord is about. But that is, I think, the picture that men have of God. Is this God's just a God. And really, what I'm really trying to get at is people think God is a God that's just sitting up on a throne somewhere mad at us all the time. And surely the Bible says God's angry with the wicked every day. But listen, God, God's being angry with the wicked is no different than you're angry with your children when they don't do as they ought to. There's no difference. God's anger doesn't negate His love. And I think some people miss that point. God's anger doesn't negate His love. The, the Bible says God is angry with the wicked every day. Now, it either says that or it don't. And I tell you that it does. Amen. But you know what it also says? It said, for God so loved the world. Right. Amen. Yeah. Amen. That's how you got in it. John 3.16. The Bible says He loved them so much He gave His Son for them and He died on the cross for us. Amen. You believe on Him, you'll never perish but have everlasting life. Amen. And matter of fact, that's just to show that that's the same attitude, that's what he says here. My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. That's, that's so much better than the Old Testament. And I'm not saying that the Old Testament is bad at all. Not saying that. That's not, that's not what I'm trying to get across to you. But in the Old Testament, the Bible says, be sure your sins will find you out. Yes, Amen. The Old Testament said, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. Isn't that what it says? Now I want you to look how much better it is under the economy of Jesus Christ. He said, my little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, I'm going to hit you with a lightning bolt. Now listen, I don't want to. I don't want to get too heavy, you know, one way or the other, or too extreme. You know, we like we read some things. Sometimes we just take it to the extreme. I don't. I'm not trying to do that this morning. I want to get across to you. The Bible says, if the Lord loves you, He will chasten you. You know what chasten means? That chasten comes from the word chastise. That means the Lord will give you a whooping. 
Amen. Uh, you know, the modern day religion, it takes all the sting out of Oh, honey, just do, just do whatever you want to. God loves you. And God does love you, but the Bible says if you're His Son, He'll chasten you like the Son. Right. Is that right or is that wrong? That's right. And that, that's right to do. That's, a principle requires that. I mean, you don't, have to, you don't have to worry about holiness or none of that stuff. Just plain old principle requires that you instruct your children in the way that they ought to live. If you don't do it, you're doing them a disservice. So if, if you're a child of God, God has to direct you and strengthen you and provide for you. Those are all His requirements. If He's the Father and we're the sons, then those things are His responsibility. But it's also His responsibility to chasten us and correct us from time to time. Yeah. Amen. So uh, when, I was, when I say, when I, when I point out the difference between the Old Testament, the soul that sinneth it shall die, and then when He says here, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. I'm not just saying let's all liberalize and just do whatever we want to. God still has principles. That's right. God still has things that are acceptable and unacceptable. Amen. And, and, a, and a person of principle will stand up for those things Amen. as far as he knows. Now you can't stand up for something you don't know. You can't stand up for something you don't understand. But I recommend to you just as soon as you get saved, you ought to start trying to understand. Yep. Amen. That's what we do when we pray. God, teach me your ways. God, show me what's right and what's wrong. And the Bible says there will be a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk you in it. We ought to be watching for the the good way. To find out what's the good way. Amen. But I really do like the attitude that it shows here. My little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. It's an attitude. Like I say, there'll never be an action without an attitude. An old time preacher named Bob Jones, he put it this way. He said, every sin that a man does, every bad thing that, I do, that a man does, uh, began with a long line of evil thinking. Yeah, that's right. Amen. Oh, well, preacher, I did that, but I just did that on accident. Mm-hmm. I highly doubt that. You know, I was driving down the road last week and... I was in my car there and I happened to look over and there was my pistol laying in the seat over there. And so accidentally I pulled over on the side of the road and accidentally found myself in the First National Bank and before you know that I'd done robbed them. <laughs> it don't work like that, folks. It don't work like that. Folks rob, rob banks because they got that uh, thieving attitude. Amen. That's in their heart. That's in their mind. They're planning. They're seeking for an opportunity. They're looking. And really, in all sin, it's that way. Yep. Whether it be adultery or drunkenness or whatever the case may be, looking for an opportunity. I used to work with a fellow boy. He'd start talking about it on Monday. On Monday. He wasn't getting over his hangover yet. And he was already saying, Boy, I can't wait till this weekend. We was working on them big automated machines up there in the textile factories in North Carolina. And we'd be in there working. And he'd holler at me down the road, Hey, I can't wait till Friday. And he was doing it on purpose. He knew I was a Christian at that time. He knew it. He knew that. He said, I'm going to get drunk Friday night. <laughs> I said, Well, I'll be praying for you. What was he talking about? He was, he was looking. It was something he intended to do all along. Usually we save that. I've done it on accident for when we get caught. Try to get sympathy for ourselves. Amen. I'll tell you how to get sympathy. Turn your heart and life over to Jesus. He'll give you the sympathy that you need. Ain't you tired of messing up? I mean, listen. People talk about all these preachers telling us what to do. Let me, let me just put it to you this way. Ain't you tired of messing up? 
Ain't you tired? Listen, get your way, all that stuff. I understand, you know, the American spirit and I'm going to do what I want to and I'm so independent. I understand all that line of thinking. I was raised with it myself. But listen, there's going to come a time when you get tired of doing what you want to and laying your head down on your pillow at night and feeling bad about it all night. Wouldn't you like to put your head on your pillow and sleep with an easy conscience all night? Amen. Amen. It's a wonderful life, I tell you that. Amen. It's a whole lot better than regretting everything you've done. Well, I know many. Listen, when I was in the Marines, I knew a bunch of young men, 21, 22 years old, and they was all doing exactly what they want to. And I'm in contact with some of them still. And boy, they regret it. Something about a 21-year-old man. He wants to do what he wants to do and ain't nobody no smarter than he is. But I'm sure if you took five or six men right around here that's 40 and 50 and 60 years old and ask them how many regrets they got about when they done what they wanted to do, I'm sure they'd have a few stories to tell. And probably, listen, probably wouldn't have to. Uh, we got, you know, uh, we, we got kind of an unusual church for folks and we got a few fellas that's under 40. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. I'm sure if you talk to some of these fellas that's under 40, they'd probably tell you they got some regrets too. Yeah. Amen. I mean, some of these boys that's been messing around with their Bible, some of these teenage boys that's been reading their Bible and trying to do what's right anyway, I guarantee you if you talk to them, they might give you a few regrets. Said, boy, I'd like to find out a way to live without regret. You're going to need Jesus then. Amen. Amen. You're going to need more than just a set of rules to memorize. Amen. Because I tell you what, the more more rules you memorize, the more regrets you're going to have. Amen. Sometimes it's kind of nice to be innocent like a little child and not know a whole lot of things. You know that's the way the Lord said you ought to come to Him. The Bible said you've got to come to Him like a little child. I'd put your faith in Him. You've been taught a lot of things in this cruel world. The scientists say there ain't no God. Uh, the atheist says ain't no use in worrying about God. Uh, the people that don't know nothing says they don't know nothing, so ain't no use in worrying about it no way. But they still got a bad conscience when they lay their head on their pillow at night. Hey, I'll tell you what you do. Just come to God like a little child and say, God, you, you gave us your word. There's plenty of evidence you hear. That's fine. It's hard for me to look at the trees and the, the birds and the, all this other stuff and say there ain't no God. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, I believe there is a God. Amen. Sometimes it's just nice to come to Him as a simple little child and say, Okay, God, I believe in You. I want, I want to do the right thing. Instruct me and show me. just show me how to go. Just show me how to do it. Like a little child with a toy you don't understand. Daddy, help me put this together. Of course, it better not come to me. I can't put most of that stuff together. Hey, Amen. I need some, some help. Ruth, help me put it together. Something like that. But at any rate, you understand what I'm talking about. And he said, when he says, my little children, these things. I mean, really, uh, there's a different attitude right there. I mean, just from the opening words of the chapter. My little children. Sounds like somebody that cares yeah. about our outcome, doesn't it? You know, I was listening to a sermon, and I think I told you a little bit about it on Wednesday night, but on Tuesday I was listening to a sermon all about how it's wicked to go to church in the church building and all that stuff. Some of the most ridiculous stuff I ever heard in my life. Sometimes you've got to listen to the ridiculous to figure out what's on somebody's mind. But at any rate, you know, this fellow, he's about to say some of these things, 
And he's going to teach us how come, you know, Baptists are just really Catholics. That's all they are. And that, that's the attitude this guy had. And you know, he said something. He said something that really, I, I was cleaning my office back there, but he said something that really woke me up for a second. And it took me a second to get it. Matter of fact, there's three or four different things that took me a second to get when he said it. But boy, when they said it, God spoke to me. And God, God really used it to help me out some. But as this man was going through these things and talking about these things, you know it. Uh, you know, Baptists and Catholics hadn't always had the best of, of uh, relationships. But you know, when he said, he said, I'm going to call this sermon Independent Fundamental Baptist Catholicism. And he said, Boy, I'm going to make some of y'all mad when I do this. And then he said, I don't care how you feel. And you know, you've heard preachers say that before, you know. Bless God, if you are going against God, you're wrong. I don't care how to get me. I fell off the pulpit. You understand that? You, you know the kind of thing I'm talking about. Well, you know, just as soon as he said that, I thought, what is it about that? And then the Lord pointed out a verse to me. It's in Hebrews chapter 4. And it says, we have not an high priest which cannot be touched by the feelings of our infirmities. And so when I read this verse, it says, my little children. Sounds to me like a father that knows what his little children's about to go through. And he said, I tell you what, my little children, I'm writing you this book, this book of God. I'm writing it to you so you don't sin. Going to be some temptations out there, ain't it? The Bible said, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. If anybody's ever been tempted with it, you're going to be tempted with it before too long. The Bible says that. Hopefully, your mom and daddy gave you good enough training, you can avoid some of those avenues of life. But the Bible says, There's no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. I believe the writer of this chapter knew that when he said, My little children, I'm going to write to you and tell you now, don't sin. Don't sin. Get that attitude in your heart. Hey, I don't want to sin. I don't want to fall into that mess I used to do. He said, but if you do, we have an advocate with the Father. Now, I've always been a poor boy. Born up there in them Virginia mountains. I've always been a poor boy. and I ain't had no family lawyer, have you? Any of you swamp rats around here can afford your own family lawyer? (laughs) No, sir. I ain't got no... Uh, <laughs> I ain't got no personal lawyers and I ain't hardly got no personal money. <laughs> but you know what? The Bible says if you're a son of God, you've got your own personal lawyer. So we got an advocate with the Father. You know, an advocate is not an advocate is not just a lawyer. An advocate is somebody that argues in place of another person. He's a mediator. He's a go-between. That's what an advocate is. An advocate doesn't even have to be a lawyer. An advocate is just somebody that pleads with another on your behalf. The Bible says if you sin, Brother Curtis, you've got an advocate with the Father. But it happens to be Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And Jesus Christ is the only one that's ever uh, offered a perfect sacrifice that can take care of sins. My little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. What makes him such a good advocate? 
What makes him especially qualified to go to God for us? Well, that's answered in verse number 2. And he is the propitiation for our sins. That word propitiation is a big word. But it has a little bitty word for a meaning. It's just a payment. He's the payment for our sins. You say, oh, the sins that we made before we got saved. No, sir, the sins for the whole world. Did you know that Jesus paid for the sins of the people that never will ask him to forgive them? Remember what I told you about for God so loved the world? Look what it says. And he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. That's a great thing right there. That means the man out there that's lost and undone. The man that doesn't want anything to do with God. The man who if we were to look at his life, if we were to look at his principles, we would probably be disgusted if we knew the right things of God. God paid for his sins too. They're already paid for. It's like, oh, if you ask Jesus to save you, he'll pay for your sins. No, they're already paid for. They're already paid for. God looked down through the, through, the, through the great history of man and said, hey, this man is going to do that and that man is going to do this, but I'm going to pay for those sins. They're already paid for. Amen. Paid for. And God knew full well, said, well, he looks out here and sees John Doe. He never will love me. He never will believe me. He never will come to one of my churches. He never will come to one of my gatherings. He never will pray to me. He never will ask me for nothing. He never will accept my son. But I'm going to die for him anyway. So that it's not my fault, but his. God can't be blamed for nothing. God's thought of everything. God's made out a plan in great wisdom. God's already taken care of it all. Every bit of it. Hey, these things I write to you that you don't sin. You better not sin. You better not sin. Sin causes corruption. Sin will break things down. Sin will cause you more trouble than it's worth. The, the old saying is sin will take you further than you want to go and cost you more than you want to pay. That, those things are all true about sin. But if you do sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Uh, committing a sin is not the end. Amen. It's not. It's not. You say, "Well, I've I've done it now. I've went too far. God will never forgive me." I don't believe that. That's not what it says. It says if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father. If we sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Let me ask you this: You know anything about that advocate with the Father? I got a newspaper article, and it's kind of funny now that I think about it from what, what I'm about to say. But I'll send them the article every week to the paper and then when I open the paper to see what they've done or if they put it in there right, you got to watch them news media types. Mm-hmm. I'll put a title up there every week and then put the article in there and about every third or fourth week they'll change the title on that thing and it'll just say, do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? That's not the title I put in there. <laughs> but now that I'm preaching this sermon, it comes to my mind. Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you know the advocate? You know what I think? I think a lot of uh, quote unquote Christians in this world, all they know is the rules. And listen, if you're only going by a set of rules, all you've got is religion. Religion never going to get a man to heaven. Religion never forgive one sin. Religion doesn't have the power to forgive sins. The pastor doesn't have power to forgive sins. This church building is not a super special place. It is a sanctified place that we've dedicated to worship God in. But this place can't forgive you sins. You can get out in the yard and kneel down and pray to it all day. It's not going to help you. 
This pulpit is called by many preachers the sacred desk, but you can't get down and pray to it and cause it to answer any prayers for you. Memorizing rules and wearing a shirt and tie and all that stuff. That same fellow that that same fellow that uh, was preaching against churches and preaching against uh, church buildings and all that stuff. He said, "Oh, you wear your Sunday best. That's not that's not of the God." What? They won't let you in the courthouse without a shirt and a tie. I mean, you wear your Sunday best because that's principle of the matter. Amen. And if your if your best is not as good as somebody else's best, that don't mean nothing. Amen. That just don't mean nothing at all. Don't mean nothing. I mean, you I can realize where some people can get the holier than thou. And, oh, he didn't wear a tie. He must not be right with God. That's foolishness. That's just a bunch of rules and regulations. That ain't going to get you nowhere. It ain't going to get you nowhere. Memorizing the rules is not going to do nothing for you. You say, what does something for me? Knowing the advocate. Knowing the one that can get you out of trouble when you get into trouble. There's going to be some times in your Christian life when you realize, hey, I'm in too deep right here. I've done this one too many times and I need some help. You're not going to be able to go to a list of rules and find your help. You know what's in this list of, of rules right here? Condemnation. If all this is is a set of rules, there ain't one of us that ain't broke every one of them. So the only thing in the list of rules is condemnation. You better be glad that these rules describe somebody and these rules describe Jesus Christ and He came down on the cross for us. Amen? That's why He can be our advocate. He knows all the rules. He is all the rules. He owns all the rules. And He made them up. That's why He's a good advocate for us. That's why he's the only advocate for us. The Bible says there's one mediator between God and man. The woman Mary. Is that what it says? No, <laughs> no sir. It ain't what it says. It says there's one mediator between God and man. The man Christ Jesus. That's what an advocate is. He's a mediator. He's ready to mediate for you. You ready to have him speak for you? Look at all the excuses you can make about all the bad you've done. Listen, let me ask you a question. Why make excuses when you can get what you're trying to make excuses for wiped off the record? Let me just give you an example of what I'm talking about. Suppose you had to go to court on Tuesday to answer for all the crimes you'd done. You got two options that you can do. You can go into the courthouse and throw yourself on the mercy of the court. You can say, Judge, I've done this, but you know I've done it because of this, and I've done it because of that, and I've got some extenuating circumstances that really caused me, and you can hope he has some pity on you. Or you could go in there and prove you didn't do it. Which one do you think would be the best on you? If you prove you didn't do it, you're walking out the back door free for nothing. Hopefully you don't have to pay court costs. Amen. But I'm sure if they found you not guilty, you wouldn't have to. But see, I mean, if you can walk out the back door free for nothing, you're in good shape. The judge, if he has mercy on you because he found your excuses to be okay, he might give you five years instead of 25. Now, I don't want five years. Let me just say that a little different way. I don't want to pay for any of my sins. I better have somebody that can... Talk the high judge into he didn't do nothing wrong. That's what the death of Jesus Christ does. He gives us his righteousness. Is there any unrighteousness in Christ? 
Yeah. No, well, if He gives us His righteousness, then we're in pretty good standing. So we come before the high court of heaven. And Jesus says, he's not guilty. I paid for all of his iniquities. Amen. When did he do that? He done that on the cross. Amen. And you know what the Bible said? We've been talking about attitude. And here's basically what it comes down to. The Bible says we loved him because he first loved us. Amen. And if that work of righteousness that God done in your heart can't change your attitude, I don't know that there's any help for you church or putting on your Sunday best or carrying a Bible around, that stuff ain't going to help you. If the love of God shed abroad in your heart hadn't helped you, there ain't no help for you. Amen? I don't know about you, but I remember what it was like when I realized He took away my sin. That was a great burden lifted. That was a great hope for my future. Do you have any? Do you have any? You certainly can have. Brother Nathan, you come just a minute. We bow our heads in prayer.